TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the fabulous co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, Domo. Oh, that's the tamest of all intros I've ever had <laughs> from Marcus Pierce, and you know yeah. why, Marcus? I know exactly why. I was about to use a word that I did not know the full definition of, and I decided <laughs> to just gently remove it from my introduction because it wasn't somewhat appropriate and you were lost you were lost know, but because we have a superstar in our midst we have a very special guest demo someone who I'm deserves a massive excited. intro now here's this here's my massive intro okay. demo give it when to the me. day spas of the world and the restaurants and the health food stores want a world-class menu yes who do they turn to they not, turn not to you a, or me not, not you, or you and me. i no. they turn to australia's and i say if not the world's world. Number one spa chef, and her name is Sam Gowing. Sam is a clinical nutritionist by trade, so she knows what she's talking she, about. And she's, she's studied. She's done the years. She's done the years. She's put in yes. the hard yards. Hard yards. She is the founder of Gowing's Food Health Wealth. She is the author of a super book called The Healing Feeling. She is a mentor to some of the greatest health practitioners, health food stores, and spas around the world. And Damo? Yep. She's inspired by food as medicine, and what's even better, she's a neighbour of mine up here in Byron Bay. All the cool it's kids. A, it's a, all the cool kids. It is a very warm 100 not out. Welcome to Sam Gowing. Welcome, Sam. Oh, what can I say? I've never had such an extraordinary introduction. Well, Hello and greetings from the Bay. G'day. There is not a word of a lie in there. And uh, Sam, having recently met you face to face and been having a good chin wag. You have a great story to tell. So for those that don't know your story, can you just give them the highlights of your magnificent life to date? Absolutely. Gee, how long have you got? Okay. <laughs> 20 minutes. So, 20 minutes. So, 18 minutes. This is the best life I've ever had, let me tell oh, you. Oh, that's good. And this year I've celebrated 30 years in food and hospitality and 15 of those years have been in wellness. So you'd get less for murder, wouldn't you? You know, it's all going pretty well. Um <laughs> I relocated from sunny Melbourne to beautiful, luxurious Byron Bay about six and a half years ago, and I really wanted to expand my wellness horizons here. And a lot of people said, don't move to Byron Bay, you know, nothing, nothing good will happen up there except you'll just drop out and go surfing. Well, I kind of did that. But what I really noticed was from being a health practitioner in Melbourne that I was able to radiate my practice up and down the eastern seaboard and it just so happened that it went global. I started working out of Bali, I started working out of Africa and Sri Lanka as well as a few other beautiful places and more recently Fiji. So it's been an extraordinary journey in the most recent years but prior to that I was a publican in Melbourne. I had the beautiful Grace Darling Hotel in Smith Street for eight years. My brother Chris Gowing and I owned and operated that in the 90s and sadly, we lost our dad to cancer and towards the demise of his life, I felt as a restaurateur and a really leading award-winning restaurateur that I had a duty of care to minimise the trans fats my restaurant was serving, my pub, which is hard. Think fish and chips, think pubs. Yeah. And how was I going to change the world one restaurant at a time? So I enrolled in one subject of nutrition at the Melbourne College of Natural Medicine, now the wonderful Endeavour. Yes. And I was so besotted with a subject called food as medicine that it changed my life and here I am today. 
Wow, that's cool. I love that. That's cool, huh? Yeah, that's super cool. I love it when through some kind of adversity, something clicks in your brain and then you go, you know what, I want to go and change the planet. And that's exactly what you're doing. And and bit by bit, by writing the menus for, you know, all these different health providers, through your influence, you're actually moving people into a path of wellness and they don't even know it, you know, And but it's coming from you. So... Good for you, Sam. I think, like, honestly, Sam, I did not know people like you existed until a couple of months ago. And then I realized that your influence, as Damo was saying, is so much greater than many people would actually even recognize. When we go to a cafe, a restaurant, a, a day spa, and we see the menu, yeah. we often just look at it and go, wow, it's amazing. But to actually think of how that was put together, the blood, sweat, and tears, the inspiration, all the rest of it, truly phenomenal legacy. So well done. Thank you. I really value that, guys. That's really lovely to hear. Thank you. <laughs> MP, I think you just talked over the top of me, and I was like, I'm trying to think of now what I was going to ask Sam. But uh, you know, <laughs> well, can I ask? <laughs> sorry, did a radio I, didn't, I didn't mean it. Foofy, I didn't foofy. mean it. But um, <laughs> Sam, was that most trying to think what he was going to ask? I want to ask you when you were traveling the world, yeah. um, Africa, Bali, Sri Lanka, and the rest. Is this with, I know you've worked with some of the biggest hotels in the world, the West and the Four Seasons and so on. Is this what you're talking about in terms of the global impact? Is it now that some of the biggest hotels in the world are beginning to see that putting a superb menu together for their people staying in their facility is a wonderful thing? Absolutely. Look, there are two leading brands. One is IHG, which is essentially the Intercontinental. And last year they rolled out a brand, which I'm not affiliated with, but I'm sharing that with you, called Even. And the even hotel brand has every kind of touch point that is wellness oriented. You know, there might be a yoga mat in every room and, you know, the mini bar has wonderful healthy treats and so forth. And this has radiated into the Western superfoods menu, which, again, I'm not necessarily responsible for. But these are some of the leading brands. And more recently with the Four Seasons in Bali, I designed their spa menu. So essentially it's a, you know, a range of juices and so forth and that slowly trickles into the mainstream menu. Now most recently I was in Bali just last month with the general manager of the Western at Nusa Dua and he and I had long, long discussions about how the Western Nusa Dua can become more wellness oriented and maybe less family oriented with no disrespect but you know, bringing in a traditional guru from India mm. to be there constantly for daily practice insofar as yoga and meditation. So what I've seen, guys, is that the hotel industry, which is what I'm so close to and worked with all my life, are now taking it seriously that wellness is not just putting light milk in the minibar, you know, or decaf, I should say. So they're really starting to take it seriously that they know that travellers like us, that practitioners, Absolutely. Educated, looking for the health touch points wherever we go, that we're going to get it. And that, of course, then determines which brand we will follow. Mm. So That's so good. It's so exciting. It's called wellness tourism. And that's what I'm I'm doing a master's in gastronomic tourism. But a lot of what I produce as far as my assignment studies, case studies, is all developing into what I call wellness tourism. Oh, it's great. Isn't it exciting? Oh, I'm just I'm buzzing. I'm actually, oh. I, I, at the moment, I'm sitting down, but as soon as I ask my question, I'm going to put myself on mute and move my chair out of the way because I just want to move. Cause it's just Do a, a little dance for me. Sounds so exciting. <laughs> oh, it's just the best. You know, at the moment, with, there's a lot of people out there who have done a little bit of study and they're out there, they've done a bit of study in nutrition and they're out there coaching 
people mm. um, yes. about health and well-being and wellness. And because of a particular flavor or trendiness of around a particular eating style, yes. um, that tends to be the particular flavor of food that people are going for. And so I've seen healthy food move from being quinoa, kale, pomegranate seeds, chia seeds, and all kinds of beautiful healthy oils and nuts and all that sort of stuff to now bacon and eggs and um, extraordinary. and some butter fried spinach. And I go to my and I'm bashing my head on a brick wall with spikes coming out of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's Have driving, you got room for two? Oh, <laughs> it's driving me mental and I just want to say what the F and I will actually cover I'm going to have covered that in a in a webinar but mm. I it, it's it's killing me because people with a little bit of information can be very very dangerous. How does what you do differ significantly to keep people on track? It's a really great question and thanks for asking it. Look, it's I've always celebrated clean eating, um, even obviously in the restaurant trade and so forth. In, in restaurants, in fine dining restaurants, you know, it's all about flavour and it's all about produce. And that's the fact that we may need to modify that in the old days, in the 80s, you know, where I was doing my apprenticeship, was just not part of it, you know. Why would we need to modify it? The ingredients are so essential and they're so packed full of nutrients and the cooking techniques are so minimal but still comprehensive at the same time. And what I've seen, obviously, is the rise of quinoa. Like in the year 2000, we opened a restaurant. Not I wasn't financially attached to it, but I, I ran a restaurant called Zucchini, which was Australia's first organic restaurant. And we had quinoa, of course, on the menu and a whole plethora of other wonderful ingredients. And everyone was still calling it quinoa and so forth. And fast forward to <laughs> 2014. Marcus still does. I know. Do you know? I'm sure it doesn't. It's the last though, mate. Quinoa. Quinoa. Yeah, I saw it last night. So, you know, I've watched these um, ingredients amplify over the last 14, 15 years. And we've really hit peak kale. We've certainly hit peak quinoa. And I think, you know, just before we go on to the saturated fat story that you're bringing up is, is really, you know, we as Australians have a duty of care to celebrate our own Indigenous ingredients and, you know, all our beautiful berries, all the amazing quandongs, all the gubinj, the natural vitamin C, kakadu plum and so forth, yet we're importing South American food and regional Mexican food and so forth and labelling that as superfoods, whereas the broccoli that we're growing next door is going to start to get jealous, you know, so... I think we need to really take get the budgie mirror out and take a good, long, hard look at what we're eating and what we're celebrating because a lot of these fly-by-night wellness coaches and so forth just haven't got the full story. And I believe, you know, long-term study is the only way, case analysis, case studies, to really bring up a conversation of any credibility about what the Australian diet should look like. Yeah, I just, I just want to finish off on that. I just want to say that there's people out there who are doing wellness coaching and doing it really well and not, being, and not being prescriptive about one particular type of program, oh. which is really important and more being a coach rather than a guide. And it's, it's, there's a big difference. Like a practitioner is the guide and that's the person who's done all of the study. Yes. Invested time and money and chunks of their life 
to actually learn it inside and out, to become a practitioner. A coach is someone who understands enough about it to be able to keep somebody motivated and inspired, not to be able to make decisions on behalf of that person that's going to either benefit them or, in many cases, detract from their health because it's a wrong decision. So it's really important to make that distinction because I know that I've got friends who are listening to this particular podcast who are health coaches, and I know that they're doing the right thing. But there yeah. are, there's other ones out there that aren't. And so it's yeah. not that we're blanket canning no, people. No, no, not at all. But what we're po- trying to point out here is that you've got to know your limits and your scope of practice because you could be hurting people. Now, that's just my soapbox thing. Yeah. No, I, no, that's good. Can I just add to that that when I was training as a clinical nutritionist, you know, there were two words that always resonated me and that's what it was drummed down into me as a trainee mm-hmm. was re- refer on. Yeah, that's it. You know, no, that's it. No, you scope. Fix the gut, no, you just go refer on. So can we talk about the saturated fat story? Can I talk about something else first, Sam? Yeah, go on. Because I love saturated fat. I love the whole concept (laughs) of it and the idea of it, but I want to put some kind of sense around it. It's important. I went to a restaurant. You might have heard of it. It's called Attica. Of course. You're very lucky to go there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Amber, my wife, was given a gift voucher by her CEO to go there. She'd done a good job one year, and they said, Merry Christmas, go there for dinner. So we did. And they served up indigenous berries as dessert. Wow. And I was blown away. Look at these tiny little indigenous berries. And I arranged, you know, the chef was, is a Kiwi chef. And he yes. made... Yes, Ben made, Shuri is his name. That's right. And, mm. and he made a, a beautiful foam and then created, you know, these amazing desserts that looked like the land where the berries came from or where the food came from. So he got, he got some things from New Zealand. And he made a Mount Taranaki out of some food. And then, wow. you know, he made some clouds and he put some berries in those clouds, which was just, you know, some mousses that he made. Oh. It was, you know, just this amazing experience, culinary delights, but from our indigenous food. And I asked where we get them from. And there's these little co-ops that have sprung up around where they're growing these berries, where restaurateurs and chefs can actually go to purchase these berries to put it in their food. So it's not that it's not around. People can actually get access to it. It's just possibly hard to find. Would you say that, Sam? Well, it's really interesting that we talk about this because last night we celebrated Restaurant Australia and Restaurant Australia is the campaign to really amplify the awareness around Australian food and there's Mm. maybe up to 100 chefs and and industry luminaries who have descended on Australia over the last few weeks and this culminates in a dinner in Tasmania tomorrow night at Mona. I know, I know, I know. Ben Sherry's there and so forth. So last night we celebrated here at the Byron at Byron with a wonderful cocktail party, including Clayton Donovan and an amazing French chef who's here by, uh, sorry, Italian, excuse me, by the name of Lorenzo Cogo. And and I met a wonderful lady called Rebecca Barnes who supplies quality Australian native foods worldwide. And she was telling me that her Melbourne clients, as an example, are buying it by the tonne. You know, so all these amazing uh, fruits that she grows and harvests, the wattle seed and so forth, yeah. she dries, pounds, grinds, mm-hmm. and then imports them, uh, sorry, exports them off to America to be made into other kind of medicines. Gee. I know. I know. Isn't it exciting? You just want to have kittens thinking about that, don't you? I'll get so a details exciting. from you, Sam, when I finish yeah, here. Please <laughs> do. Can I, ask, can I ask a question before we get into saturated fat? <laughs> is this yes. where we're going then folks if we're if at the moment it's all about either paleo or vegan and one of the extremes either either end are we is the next phase of the nutritional i suppose spectrum going to be that we're actually going to hone even more in and hopefully this is a yes but we're going to hone in even more on 
locally grown produce and not necessarily relying on Bolivian imports to sustain us? Well, I think you know my answer to that, you know, absolutely. And when we do have a duty of care to support growth in Australia, to celebrate our Indigenous ingredients as part of a healing process, but also a celebration process as well. And as leaders in the industry, we have the power to make that happen. So, yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I hope so. All right, Damo, I'm all for you and saturated fat, mate. Work your magic. Okay. Many years ago, there was a scientist <laughs> who said that saturated fat caused cholesterol. And in other words, if you ate saturated fat, you'd have a heart attack or a stroke or both if you're lucky enough. And so they said that, well, because we've invented a drug to go along with that called a statin drug, mm. um, just eat your saturated fat or maybe cut back on it. Maybe perhaps eat some polyunsaturated fat that's now been turned into something else called margarine. Eat some of that and take your statin drugs and you'll be fine. We, you know, we kind of started to make some very bad decisions around it now that that research has been discredited there seems to be this massive wave of people going, well, the cavemen ate saturated fat and they, they were healthy. They lived to at least 30. They must be right. And, you know, so we're now all eating saturated fat by the tonne. And, and it's not necessarily... And all of a sudden, because coconuts um, grow on trees, coconut for everybody is the right thing to eat. So I'm a little bit confused, being a foodie, a nutritionist, a naturopath, um, I'm a little bit confused about how we got to this point. And mm. how, how we're now saying that the grizzle and the fat that comes from underneath the skin of an animal that's been converted mm. from the excess carbohydrate that that animal ate is now good for us. Can you mm. shed any light on that, Sam? May I tell you a personal journey around that, if I may share that with you, is yes. that when I was working full-time in a health retreat and I was, had access to a wonderful personal trainer on a regular basis and I trained very hard. I wanted to change shape and do all those wonderful things. And my friend Dan said, you know, look towards this diet but do this interval training and so forth and cut out the grains. And I cut out the grains and I, had, I lost a lot of inflammatory processes in my body. Within two weeks, I had no pain in my legs from standing on my feet all day, from minimising the grains. And he talked to me and taught me a lot about the way that cholesterol behaves in the body. Yeah. Now, I, I eliminated grains. Yep. I elevated my protein intake, both with saturated fat, with animal fats and protein powders and so forth. Trained very hard. I have a pre genetic predisposition to hypercholesterolemia, yep. so high cholesterol. Mm -hmm. Within a month, I had smashed my cholesterol way down to what is seen as a 5.5, you know, average. My GP was not astounded because she wanted to put me on a statin. Mm -hmm. And I said, I will do this with food. And what, you know, the point I'm proving is that I was having more saturated fat than I'd ever had before. <laughs> yep. No grains and very low carbohydrates that stem from grains. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of interval training as well. And I lowered my cholesterol significantly. It's great, isn't it? It's so cool and it's amazing because when I was doing a TV show many years ago, I was putting people with high cholesterol on somewhere between two and four eggs a day for up to, you know, 30 days, um, sometimes even 60 days, just as part of their lifestyle to help them bring down their cholesterol. And I was, 
I was the uh, the poster boy for dart competitions at the Dietitians Association, <laughs> and uh, and they were you know spearing me and stabbing me, and I was saying stay away from margarine, use butter, it's better, and you know don't be so concerned about having a little bit of saturated fat from you know your meats and that sort of stuff. It's not going to kill you. In fact, it's probably going to help you. The key thing is to stay away from the glutinous style grains because those grains are going to be the ones that are going to drive metabolic dysfunction in the body. And at that time, we didn't have the plethora of research mm. that actually backed mm. up those claims. But I knew because that's what I'd learned and that's what I'd seen um, in practice. So um, the research now tells us that when you have gluten in your diet, you stimulate a whole lot of inflammatory factors and a lot of inflammatory cytokines or chemicals in the body, which will lead towards the formation of cholesterol, which is the liver's own response to the stress that you're creating on your body. So, so fascinating. Yeah, and that's cool that it's happening. But I just wanted to say that there's also countries around the world who've grown up and have, civilizations have survived and thrived on gluten-free grains. And so when I yeah. say that, I'm going, well, look at look at the um, Okinawans, for example, who, Absolutely. who eat rice. Yep. Yep. Um, look at the Sardinians, right, who... Which is interesting. And they the, actually and the Koreans, or yeah, the having Icar- their pastas and their this, this is it. Rest. Yeah. So they've still survived and they've thrived. But I think what we've done here in Australia and maybe in other Western countries is consumed too much of these particular foods, and they've now lost their benefit in health and they've become poisonous for us. So I the think glu- that's so valid. The gluten-free stuff is good. You know, look at quinoa and you look at amaranth and you look at you know, I mean, buckwheat's a, a lentil, um, but you, if you look at or a, a pulse. Um, but rice, you know, these things people, yeah. cultures have grown on. So I don't mm. want to victimise those grains because I see that there's still benefit so and value in it, you know. Well, they get jealous if they're not being eaten. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to share with you <laughs> my... Um, yeah, that's right. I want to share with you my, my great love and, and great um, sisterhood with my friend Janet Deneef, who is a Bali icon and founder of the uh, Ubud Writers and Readers Festival and a wonderful village chef herself. And every time I go to visit her up in Ubud... You know, we eat a plethora of rice. And I, the, most recently I came back and I just thought, if you said to the Chinese, Japanese, Koreans, Indonesians and the rest of Asiana that rice was causing them damage, that it was interfering with their whole metabolic syndromes and so forth or aggravating them, that most of those people would laugh at you. The totally. Indonesians would totally laugh you out of the warung and say, what do you mean I cannot have rice? The Japanese, which is my area of study, uh, my 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 area of expertise, I guess, Japanese cuisine. Yep. The Japanese would just think you're hilarious. What would you eat if you didn't eat rice? That's it. And I think we need to really put that in context when we start celebrating a really high animal protein diet, that we need to celebrate that certain grains are still very beneficial. I know that when I was studying, one of the remedies that I still prescribe is a small amount of steamed white rice yeah. to support digestion. digestion. You know, yeah. particularly travellers, illnesses, travellers, diarrhoea and so forth. Yeah. 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 So oh, I think we have to... I want to keep going. I want to keep on going. I can talk for ages. Are we getting the wind-up? Yeah. yeah. Now, Sam, I, I want to ask you before we wrap up, you're a mentor to, to yeah. obviously to businesses, to business owners, particularly those in the health field, health food stores, health practitioners. Can you just share a little bit about that, how people can get in touch with you? Because, again, this has been a very inspiring episode and people will no doubt want to know more. Well, I'd love to speak to as many people as I can. So you can find me through my website, which is foodhealthwealth.com. 
And if you forget that, just look up Sam Gowing, Byron Bay, and I should burst open in your screen somehow. The mentoring <laughs> programs that we offer is a, a varied and individually tailored. You know, I, I help uh, corporate people wanting to transition into the wellness arena. Perhaps there are businesses wanting to create product. So I help them develop that product. It might be physical, edible. Maybe it's a large commercial chain that wants to bring in a vertical range of wellness foods or a wellness offering to their clientele. Predominantly, I work with health practitioners. I make them become much better business people, help systemize their clinical practice or help them develop a product or a range that their personal brand can develop and rise up to meet the global arena around the wellness uh, influence that we have. Well, I think, Sam and Damo, we need to get forage in Africa and Sri Lanka and Bali yes. and all those other wonderful <laughs> places as well. That's right. So much wisdom, Sam. You have been an absolute joy to interview. Thank you so much for it's sharing. It's an absolute pleasure. On Thank you. Not out. And I definitely know there'll be a follow-up at some point. Remember, folks, we would love to hear your feedback. You can provide it in any number of ways, but the best is to go to our website at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 not out also if you've liked this episode please subscribe to the podcast on itunes and check out the wellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available including the number one show the wellness guys so until next week continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life this has been a production of the wellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.